0: And welcome to Telennial Horrors, the podcast where we hit up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, and start before we watch anything, just in case. <laughs> yeah, I managed to actually read all that. I think correctly, but it's yeah, because we're too do- Thank you. <laughs> it's because we're doing video game horror movies from the Noughties this episode, an episode which I've been quite excited about doing. And then when we started watching the movies, I was like, oh, have we made a terrible mistake?
1: Whereas I've just been like, I don't want to do this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was like, the noughties were a big time for video game movies, because there'd been things like Super Mario Brothers and Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat in the 90s. But there was definitely a big boom in the noughties, I think, when studios realised that there were a lot of big properties out there that people were, I guess, paying the video game companies for, but not movies. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, we get some pretty hefty classic video game titles being turned into movies in the noughties. And we also get the continuation of the belief that you can't make a good video game movie, which I think some of these things challenge, some of these movies challenge in this episode. But I guess let's start with Resident (laughs) Evil, shall we? (laughs)
1: Let's start with Resident Evil. I think this is the last one. No, Doom was the last (laughs) one I watched. But Psyching myself up to do Resident Evil was quite a... undertaking. I think because in my head I used to think that I liked the Resident Evil movies and then hmm. I did a big rewatch of them and was like no these are all terrible. <laughs> so I was coming Aww. into it like oh no no this is going to be hard. It was fine. Um all right, let's do the let's do the info section. So we are written and directed by Paul W.S. Anderson uh, with a cast including Miliovovich, Michelle Rodriguez, Eric Mabius, uh, Colin Salmon yeah. A bunch of other people who I've already forgotten were in this film. Uh, so we open in a research facility underneath Raccoon City um, where a bunch of scientists who are all like way better looking than you would expect in a research facility <laughs> and definitely all came from like casting 101. Like, <laughs> um, so they they are working on something shadowy and someone someone's sneaking around and unleashes the T-virus, um, a genetically engineered virus that is designed to regenerate cells <laughs> and as a result, m- make zombies. Mm. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's just a zombie virus. I don't know why they called it anything else. So uh, once the AI that runs the lab, who's the Red Queen, who looks like a little girl because of reasons, uh, realises that, that there's been this um, outbreak, I guess, she shuts everything down, locks everything down, and then a bunch of operatives come in to... I, like, this part, I, I will get into this, but this part I was like, why are you doing this? And <laughs> a bunch of operatives, like, break in to try and shut down the Red Queen and open everything up and save everyone inside. So... <laughs> I think I think the fact that it's an outbreak movie plays a bit different, like, now, post-Covid. Because I'm like, yeah, the Red Queen did the right thing. Quarantine that shit.
0: Quarantine. Show.
1: Shut it down.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, she is... Homicidal, like Colin Salmon says, like the however long it was ago, Red Queen went homicidal, which is great, like, yeah. So maybe she didn't have to like drown all the scientists and suffocate them because if if she hadn't killed them, then they wouldn't have come back as zombies potentially.
1: Well, that's potentially true, but I guess, hmm. yeah. There's there's just a lot of questions about what what should or shouldn't have been done here because. I mean, obviously, A, like, A of all, don't make a zombie don't virus. Don't make a
0: zombie virus. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's really simple. Like, just, if it's turning people into zombies, just just get rid of it.
1: Yeah. yeah. But I think you also need a better uh, contingency plan for what happens if you start making zombies in your lab. Mm. Like, if you do have to kill everyone, you need a way that's going to kill the zombies. Yes. Not just make more zombies. Mm. Counterproductive.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's... It kind of, yeah, and I guess, like, if you are going to keep everyone in a base underground, there's, there is an underground city that is only accessed <laughs> yeah. by one train, which I love. I love it as a train. Um I just mean, love that it's an underground city. Like, there's the whole like blueprint. I'll get into this in a bit. I'm assuming because yeah. I can't stop talking about it. But like the bit <laughs> where like you, the Colin Salmon shows her on the like the interactive map or whatever it is, and yeah. it's like a whole underground like thing. And it's like here's here's a train that you get. But yeah, you go to all that trouble, and then yeah, like you said, there's there's a lot of flaws in in the contingency plans. But I guess that also depends on the later movies and what are. What were their ultimate goals with the zombie virus
1: this is this is a very good point. I think part of why it was weird going back and watching this film is because I've seen the later sequels and I've also seen this film <laughs> so a lot of it kind of relies on you having to discover along with milievoichch's amnesiac Alice like what's going on so like making her f- not have her memory mm. means that we can sympathize with her even though as we will ultimately find out she's the villain slash hero I mean could go either way um but yeah like you have to learn along with her about what's been going on and it just gets weirder and harder to believe <laughs> <laughs> and uh <laughs> and sillier and but like I think knowing where it's going like you're screaming like don't do this like don't go in there uh, yeah don't try and save everyone because you can't like it's too late there's a t-virus what they needed to do, potentially, was, like, talk to the Red Queen um, and be like, hey, what's <laughs> going on? Why did you shut everything down? Because they they immediately assume, oh, the computer's gone mad and yeah. murdered everyone. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, but there was quite a logical, in a very sort of Asimovian way, like, <laughs> quite a logical progression of, like, "What? why is she... I mean, apart from the drowning and stuff, but, like, it makes sense. You have to lock it down. You have to keep this contained. And they're just like, nah, let's get in there and open it all up. Mm. I don't know. Well, I'm trying to remember as well. I think I've seen this film so many times over the years uh, that I don't really remember my first viewing. I think I might have seen it at the cinema. I'm not sure.
0: I didn't see it at the cinema, but I saw it, I think, on DVD quite quickly afterwards. And... I remember at the time being really snooty about it because I was like, (laughs) I just was really getting into my horror movies. And I was like, oh, this is lame. It's not even that bloody. And it's just like all action rather than it's not scary.
1: Oh, yeah. It is definitely an action movie rather than a horror movie, isn't it? Yeah,
0: for sure. I think, you know, there's little bits of it are quite kind of chilling. I really love the start. I think I I I think one of the reasons why I find things set in like kind of underground facilities or like space really fun is that I find the idea of getting trapped there very scary. So I think the yeah. the beginning where she shuts down the facility and everyone's just trying to get out and like shouting at like what they think is like a human security system that there's no there's no fire and stuff. Is quite good. But yeah, it's, it's not It's not scary. It's got Millie kicking zombie dogs in the face and all that good stuff.
1: You know, you can't necessarily argue with that. No. I mean, the video game origins of this become clear quite quickly when they hit that laser corridor.
0: Ah, oh, laser grid. Oh, I love it. <laughs>
1: because <laughs> it's like... In no nowhere other than a computer game would there be a corridor where like first of all laser goes at one height and then another and you have to like <laughs> duck or jump over it and then But it's unwinnable because you can't that grid, you can't get through that grid. So I don't know. I don't know if that's from the game, but it feels very game mechanic-y.
0: yi I'm honestly not sure. I have played the first game and I played like some of the others a bit, but I'm to preface me talking about any of the games in this. <laughs> One, I'm really bad at video games and I'm also a total coward playing video games. So if it's too scary, <laughs> I can't can't really do it. So Resident Evil yeah. Biohazard, I think I played for about 20 minutes and got murdered. And it was, I was just like, there's no way I can do this. <laughs> I'm just going to stop.
1: <laughs> yeah, honestly, same. Like, I have never been good at video games. And as a result, I don't enjoy them. <laughs> uh, I think I've tried to play a couple of Resident Evil ones. Is it Resident Evil, like, one of the really old ones, where the control system is really bizarre? Like, it's an odd camera angle, it's, I don't know. I just remember kind of getting stuck in, like, a graveyard and Absolutely. not being able to move.
0: Yeah, where well, you're <laughs> trying to go down a corridor, and, like, you can't go because you, you want to see around we the corner and stuff. The but, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah basically um that would be really funny if they made a game that was actually like my experience of playing a game because it would just be the
0: person the-, the characters walking into walls and getting stuck and he's the same and my like housemate shouting at you like why, why can't <laughs> you do this it's <laughs> me going i'm Absolutely. dyspraxic <laughs> like stop it
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think but yeah so many things in this film if you're trying to watch it as a film and not going oh yeah that's a reference to something like why is the Red Queen a little girl? Like, why would you create your security AI mm-hmm. as a creepy little girl? And I know she's not meant to be creepy. She's meant to be designed um, based on the the, the programmer's daughter. But like, <laughs> that's a creepy little girl. Yeah. Why would you do that?
0: Oh, uh, I mean, why not? Like, she is creepy. The Like, you're all going to die down here, but it's great. I love that. You're all going to die down here.
1: Yes. Beautiful. i <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's funny. I think there's a lot of it that's like video game logic in terms of this way's blocked, so we've got to find another way. Like the the easiest way to get to this bit that you need to get to, you can't use, so you've got to go a more difficult way. <laughs> Which I always find incredibly frustrating in games. Cause it's like, no, 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 I want to get out of here and not have to fight the zombies. <laughs>
1: yeah. There's zombies that way. I'm not going that way. Yeah.
0: And like the yeah. loadingness of the train loading the next level. This film's grown. Like, yeah, I like it more and more every time I watch it. And it became, like, a weird comfort movie during lockdown because I think my partner and I had both seen it a bunch of times and it was just, like, a nice predictable, like, oh, yeah, like, I know this movie. But, yeah, I do think it's really fun. I think, like, there's something to the amount of love that has for the games and, like, the fact that it's got proper sets and, mm. like, some good jump scares and it's got, like, a train and the monster's, like, <laughs> lick <is> fun. <laughs> The train. The train. I love the train. I love how
1: much you love the train. <laughs> There's not enough... There aren't
0: enough trains in, in movies, in horror movies. And there also aren't enough underground facilities. And trains to underground facilities.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is... Yeah, this is probably pretty much the only one,
0: right? I think maybe. There's a train... There is a train in the uh, Johannes Roberts uh, reboot that came out a couple of years ago now. Welcome to Raccoon City. Mm.
1: I haven't seen it because I swore off Resident Evil after having rewatched all of them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think it it's deliberately incredibly like the first couple of games uh, because okay. Resident Evil, this the two thousand two Paul W S Anderson movie, is very like it's almost like tangentially related to the games. It's like the first games in a mansion, and this is like underground facility, and Alice isn't in the games at all, and yeah, so the 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 reboots, like in the Mansion in Raccoon City, and all the, all the characters, like characters from the games, like Jill Valentine and Chris Redfield and Claire Redfield, and all your favourites. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, they've stopped bringing those guys in in the sequel, but mm-hmm. I guess I'm thinking now, like a lot of the sort of early video games, maybe weren't that strong in plot, so maybe it did make sense if you're going to make a movie to just be like, we are making a movie that's set in this world. Uh, and therefore like kind of uses all the tropes and the language and the creatures and whatever of the game mm. but isn't isn't a direct adaptation of the game. That probably would have made a lot more sense to think about it like that than I think maybe how people actually did think about it when they're making these movies. But you yeah, know, I think
0: that I uh, do you think like Resident Evil like there were I remember like a lot of Resident Evil game fans I think online weren't big fans of the movies because of that um well, not just because of that i think they've always had a bit of a mixed critical reception but yeah because george o. romero was going to do it first um oh, was he? yeah but i think his script was very like was was more like the um the games but wasn't what the studio was looking for in terms of
1: that's wild yeah. that you're like we could have had george romero making this yeah it's nuts isn't it and then you were like no thanks yeah no thanks george yeah you're all
0: right. yeah so there's like a, a, he made an advert for one of the games, like, uh, I think back in the 90s. It's like really short, but it's just directed by George A. Romero. That's nice. Yeah.
1: How did Paul W.S. Anderson get the gig? Like, who is he? Where did he come from? I don't know that, anything about him.
0: I've been uh, following Paul W.S. Anderson's gig, Amazing, yeah. amazing. <laughs> Uh, he made a film called Shopping with Jude Law and Sadie Frost that was British. And then he made the Mortal Kombat, the 90s movie with Christopher Lambert, uh, which did really well. It was a huge success.
1: OK, I see the logic now. Yeah,
0: that makes sense. And then he did an Event Horizon, I think, in between those two because he got that was successful. So he got to make Event Horizon with Paramount, but then that flopped. So I think he went back to or did he make any made Soldier as well? with kurt russell anyway but then yeah resident evil i think was like a safe bet for studio and him because he would had a huge success with video game maybe before
1: and to be fair had a huge success with this and then, yeah, like, yeah just created a monster of a franchise so i guess yeah good shout yeah i forgot event horizon existed but how could you forget
0: event horizon
1: i don't like event horizon <sighs> <laughs> oh
0: no oh my god <laughs>
1: this is one of the uh, what year did it come out
0: it it is like 97 so you're safe
1: (laughs) you just about safe if it had been 99 it would have been borderline
0: yeah i would have have insisted
1: (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i guess this film coming out in 2002 like must have been the catalyst for all the other video game adaptations we then got
0: i think so yeah because it was i think tomb raider was maybe the year before oh was it God. But yeah, there was there was like, yeah, I think this and Team Raider were like, oh, people will go and see these. And yeah, Resident Evil franchise just kind of just kept going, didn't it? Like, I think I got really back into it around the fifth, maybe, I think. Like five and six are really good, I think
1: are they yeah which is the one in the which is <laughs> the one in the desert
0: that's three i like three too that's the one that's directed by russell Mockay. resident e, i can never remember their names because they're all like completely unrelated to apart from like the final chapter what? they're basically just all random yeah like extinction apocalypse.
1: extinction yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> annihilation i want to say is that one
1: I, I i'm going to frantically google it.
0: <laughs> it is yeah apocalypse is the second one.
1: Oh, extinction is the third one Apocalypse, Extinction, Afterlife, After- retribution, retribution, and the final chapter.
0: Retribution yeah, is really cool. There's literally
1: no way to remember what what each of those refers to. No. That's, that's not possible. No. no one can do that.
0: It's just words.
1: <laughs> I love how I'm getting really like, no, no one would know this. Whereas like, if somebody put a trap, like attributed a trap to the wrong Saw film, I would be like, how could you get that wrong? <laughs>
0: Well, because they're memorable. Whereas those words, they could, like, you know... Yeah,
1: those are just words. Yeah. Uh, I do think Miljovovich in this film is just supernaturally beautiful to the point where you're like, that's just justifying this film. I'm just going to look at her face. Like, she is, <laughs> yeah, just just very, very beautiful human being.
0: The casting is good in this movie. Like, Miljovovich is awesome. And, yeah, a big fan of just her being up monsters forever. Yeah, Michelle Rodriguez, really big fan. I think she's awesome in it. And James Purifoy is so good at playing a piece of shit. And yeah, Colin Salmon, like such a great, like come in, boss the movie for like 10 minutes and then get completely diced by a bunch of lasers. Wonderful.
1: It's what you want. Yeah. What you, that's how that's how you get your paycheck. That is. So I think, yeah, this is probably, of of our list, is this the most successful one, do you think? I think it probably is. It's like
0: the big, the big boy. I think definitely in terms of, like, box office, because none of the other ones we are covering have, like, had the legs in terms of movies. Resident Evil just kept going. Like, just so much money. So many movies. To the point where, like, they're refusing to let it die. It's like a Netflix series that got cancelled, and then I think they're making a sequel to the Johannes Roberts one or another reboot or something. There's another movie coming.
1: God almighty. But then I guess the Resident Evil video game franchise
0: just kept trucking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they kept figuring out ways to do it. Yeah. God, that Biohazard one scared the shit out of me.
1: (laughs) I can't, I wish I could remember which ones I've played. On to uh, an adaptation of a game that I have done slightly better at, which is uh, House of the Dead from 2003. This feels like it was a, a sort of fairly obvious cash-in on like, hey, Resident Evil did money, uh, let's find another game with zombies and make an adaptation and bash it out as fast as humanly possible and hope that it will do the same. Uh, it very much did not. Mm. So <laughs> so it's written by uh, Dave Parker and Mark Altman, um, directed by Uwe Boll, who will become a very contentious figure in the whole video game adaptation world. <laughs> uh, a cast of mostly people you've never heard of, including Jonathan Cherry, Tyrone Litzo, Ona Grauer and Ellie Connell, I don't think it's been in much, but then like randomly Clint Howard and Jürgen Prochnow, which is a choice <laughs> <laughs> that they made. <laughs> um, the plot of this one, so you, you say that the the Resident Evil movie is only tangentially related to the video games this is completely unrelated to the House of the Dead game in that it just shares virtually nothing in common the plot is that Sega are sponsoring a rave on uh the Ila de Muerta (laughs) and um, (laughs) a bunch of people uh, really like it makes no sense but a bunch of people go out to an island to have a rave and they're all killed by zombies um and then a boatload of late comers show up uh having bribed some fishermen to take them out to the island and then they have to kind of figure out why everyone's dead and why there are zombies and why there is an undead surgeon come necromancer uh in a little hut <laughs> and then there's just lots of like spinny bullet time um i want to say it doesn't Hold together particularly well. I think it sort of does in that it's very, very simple. It's literally like people go to a place and then there's like that ridiculous flashback scene where they find out how this evil doctor got there. But yeah, I don't know. I have an unreasonable amount of affection for this film, but I'm guessing that you do not share that.
0: I mean, (laughs) I didn't see it when it came out. I saw it after. I think, I think I decided that I, I realised I hadn't really seen any Uwe Boll films. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe I should watch... I'll, I'll try House of the Dead. And I really didn't like it. And watching it now, I can see where the affection comes from. <laughs> and I find it very hard to be too judgy about it. Because it is so obviously, like, someone, like, screaming, this is fucking awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And, like, making choices that no sane person would make in terms of, yeah, or the bullet time. Like, the the bits when characters die where it looks like a video game. There's, like, cuts, like, in video game bits, like, cut into it.
1: Yeah. And, they, yeah, the, when they die, it kind of, it goes to, like, a different shot of their character. Yeah. Like, spins around and fades to red. <laughs> it's properly like, you have died.
0: That's kind of wonderful. I think... I find the experience of watching it hard. (laughs) It's a difficult, it's a difficult watch. Uh, See,
1: I don't find it hard at all. I find it delightful. Like, it just fills me with so much glee because it's so inept. But, like you say, just... like just a madman screaming this is awesome yeah. just like you know like there's a whole chase scene through the forest oh my god. where you can see the springboard that a zombie jumps off and like why is the zombie jumping anyway but then like they've got the actor like holding the camera in front of his face and like making panicked faces as he runs <laughs> um, the dialogue is so ridiculous oh my
0: god yeah
1: but I sort of love it for that because like it does have that like badly dubbed video game vibe to it it's just like oh here's an old book maybe it'll help us. Like, oh, I just, I just, I just enjoy it. And then like the really gleeful embracing of those video game tropes and yeah, like visuals, like you say, cutting in bits from the game as sort of screen wipes. I think there's almost like a first person bit when they're running down a corridor and there's like the zombies coming out of the walls and the tunnel.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There kind of is. <laughs> kind, yeah, kind of. It's all like not quite right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it's all sort of like, it's a real bodge job because they clearly don't have any money. Yes,
0: or much of a house.
1: No, not much of a house at all. It's like a shed, and then they blow it up at the end, and you're like, "Was that? That wasn't even the house that you were in." But okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then there's, there's this like incredible—I um, think it's like eight minutes or something—of the fight scene as they're approaching the house, and it just they like, just put on some like really dodgy like new metal. Oh
0: God! Yeah. Thing.
1: And it's just characters like just walking, and then having like a slow mo um, bullet time spinny shot go around them and shooting zombies just over and over again, just for a really long time. There's like no dialogue, there's no anything. It is just literally a, a really long fight scene where you're like, where is my controller? I should be, <laughs> I should be able to influence this. I-, I don't, I can't explain why that fills me with so much glee, but it really
0: does. I mean, yeah, that that scene. It's like unbearably long. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know how else to describe it. It's it's just it
1: just goes on and on and on. It
0: really does, and like and every character gets about four bullet time spins. And it's like, how far is this like house from the edge of the forest? Because it looks about two (laughs) meters, but like it's just them walking. There's
1: zombies in the way. Yeah, walking really slowly. (laughs) What I love about it is like it has this thing of of like. As if Bol had a vision in his head and he just didn't care that he didn't have the money or expertise to do it. So that bullet time, they just had like a... Because I think with real bullet time, they do it with a shit ton of cameras, right? It's like loads of different cameras all around. But they didn't have the money for that. It was was literally like one camera on a thing that spun around. Um, And it was like apparently super dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, like, no one is allowed to do that anymore. It's um, it's not a very safe rig. Uh, and, but the effect that it creates is more or less acceptable bullet time. It's, so...
0: it's, it's in the area of bullet time, yeah.
1: <laughs> you can accept that it's supposed to look like bullet time. It's just silly. I think the one thing that I appreciated on this rewatch that I don't think I'd ever caught before is that right at the beginning, there's a scene... From the game, where you can hear someone saying, uh, "Don't, don't trust Curian or something," Mm. and then you, and to the point where you like, it's so incidental you completely forget about it, and then right at the end, you find out that the main character who survived is called Curian, and it's almost like this. I think the idea is that this is supposed to be like a prequel to the game because he is using the immortality juice to resurrect his ex-girlfriend. And He's gonna now take this back to the world from this island and cause zombies. Mm. But it's—I mean—I <laughs> think I'd, I'd never even really noticed that bit of construction before. So
0: yeah, I hadn't noticed, until, I—I I didn't know about it until uh, I was looking on Wikipedia to try and learn more about how it happened. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> it, it was—it <laughs> it was. Yeah, I was like, oh, that is quite interesting. But um, yeah, I do would like—I do like Jonathan Cherry. He plays Kirian, but he's not very good in this. He's much better in Final Destination Two.
1: I was just about to say, like my brain went, what else would you have seen? It if- oh, Final Destination Two.
0: <laughs> he is also the uh, French Canadian goalie in Goon, or Canadian goalie. It's not French Canadian. He's just Canadian in Goon. And he's uh, wonderful in that. He's very, very which I funny. I still
1: haven't seen. I need to see that film. Coon. Now you told me Jonathan Cherry's in it. I'll probably watch. Jonathan Cherry <laughs> is the
0: goalie who is bullied relentlessly for being oh. crap. And oh, bless him! It doesn't take it very well. It's wonderful.
1: I think I have. I think I think I have a thing that a lot of uh, like movie nerds have, where you kind of want to watch everything that your faves have been in. But the fact that like I do it with this film. Really doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, Tyrone... I don't know how you pronounce his name. Tyrone Lutzer, who's in Wonderfalls, mm. is a completely different... Like, almost unrecognisable from the
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah, completely. so different. R.I.P. Wonderfuls. R.I.P. wonderfuls
1: never, never lived up to your potential and killed in your... Not even in your prime. You never got to reach your prime. Poor Wonderfuls. Love you, Wonderfalls. Um, so the thing that I should disclose at this point... Uh, in case I've not said this on this podcast and anybody is listening who doesn't know me, is that I have a background role in an Uber Bowl film as a direct result of having loved this film when I saw it in 2003. Because <laughs> you... I don't... This feels like it was such a big deal at the time and everyone's completely forgotten it. That like, because of Bowl making House of the Dead and Alone in the Dark and a Dungeon Siege movie and a bunch of other video game adaptations, he... Got a lot of bad reviews from the sort of something awful, ain't it cool news is of the world. Uh, And he put out an open challenge to any of his online critics to come and fight him in a boxing match Mm. um, and said he would fly them out to Canada, give them like a a role as an extra in his (laughs) adaptation of Postal, another video game movie, uh, and then fight them in a boxing match. Uh, all they had to do was, like, send him a bad review that, that they'd written of his film. Uh, <laughs> and I, being a ballsy 22-year-old idiot, like, <laughs> just sent him an email going, like, hey, I wrote a good review of your film, and I want to come to Canada and be in the postal. <laughs> and he unbelievably emailed back and said, yeah, sure. <laughs> Amazing. So, yeah, that that boxing match... I'm really sad that like basically no footage of it seems to exist because there is a documentary that's been made about Bowl and they they were supposed to be filming it at that at the boxing match but I think the footage just wasn't very good or something like it just it barely exists.
0: It sounds like it was just quite an unpleasant experience and yeah. not what anyone <laughs> thought it was going to be. Uh,
1: it's it 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 was interesting um, because like so the guys who took him up on it were uh, Lotax i forgotten what his real name is Chris Alexander then of Rue Morgue and then Fangoria um, Jeff Snyder then of Ain't It Cool News he has like a real job now he's somewhere, I can't remember where but I'm sure he's on like Variety yeah I think right? he is Variety yeah and um, Chance Minter who was like 17 at the time he was just like a film student and like I spent a few days just kind of hanging out with all of them mostly Chris and Jeff to be fair and, and yeah, it was it, it was interesting. Because, um, <laughs> yeah, I think most of them thought it would just be, yeah, fun and silly and didn't really take into account the fact that Bowl has been an amateur boxer for a really long time mm. and, like, was actually planning to really kick the shit out of them. And I, like, I just <laughs> remember, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't say this, like, but, like, Jeff Snyder after the match just kind of sitting on the floor with an oxygen mask and a bucket of puke next to him like he's completely dead that uh, was an interesting experience Amazing. i think uh, i don't think anyone came away from it super happy apart from chance who i think like maybe did like an internship with him afterwards or something like oh. managed to kind of network his way into getting some film experience nice. which was smart yeah yeah the film industry was a weird place in the mid-2000s like it still is. It always I guess every single era of it is weird, but, yeah, but that was really weird.
0: I mean the fact that like what you're describing happened. Like <laughs> it's it's really weird thinking now about like if you have to explain Avey Boll to someone who wasn't kind of online a lot film wise yeah. in the noughties, no one remembers him now, I don't think. No one no, really like they don't. No one talks about, you know, what a crime it was that blood rain was turned into such a piece of shit or like Yeah, the fact that he's making all these terrible video game movies, like, it is the amount of hate that got directed at him for Mm. movies that seem to be funded, because none of them made any money really, did they? They were mostly sort of like tax breaks.
1: I believe so, yeah.
0: Which now is done by people just deleting their content off streamers. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Instead of dumping it on eBay pole to make Dungeon Siege with Jason Statham. <sighs> oh,
1: what an incredible film that is. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. I think the shutting down of the IMDb message boards went a long way to making him not feel as relevant because, like, those things were vicious. Mm.
0: Yeah, I think they were, like, a lot of the forums. I think I was on the Joe Blow one quite a lot when I was a teenager and thinking about it now is, like, the amount of time that was spent, like, reading people about took like venting about Uwe Boll and I wasn't seeing any of these movies at the time as well I just kind of understood that he was someone who made truly heinous films and yeah. Alone in the Dark is a truly heinous film is oh, uh, un- unwatchable. unwatchable yeah yeah absolutely awful
1: The thing is like I hope he never hears this <laughs> but like um I don't know I I I kind of I have a weird gr- like respect for him and like he's not I don't know, he's quite nice to deal with. <laughs> like, I've interviewed him a bunch of times. Um, I mean, yeah, he, he let me go out to Canada and be in his film. Uh, and That's pretty cool. Yeah. When I interviewed him at Fright Fest about Postal, which interestingly showed at Fright Fest, I don't know if you remember that screening he like remembered who I was and was like oh yeah I think you're I think you're in the film uh, <laughs> I am in the film um hey. not that you will ever find me unless I specifically show you where I am but like yeah uh very very funny just and also I that I, I mean that was a great trip I I really enjoyed getting to go to Vancouver and dick around on a film set
0: that's awesome <laughs>
1: Right at the beginning of my like freelance career, it was great. So I think that's why like <laughs> this film will always hold quite a, a you know place in my heart because it did it it really led to some interesting uh, places for me personally. <laughs> Obviously, no one else in the world is going to have had that experience. So I understand if you don't enjoy um, uh, people making Captain Kirk jokes at Jürgen now. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> don't like no Captain Kirk jokes uh amazing yeah <laughs> but yes I was really 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 dreading re-watching it going what if I don't enjoy it anymore but I I did enjoy it
0: oh I'm glad like yeah it was yeah the experience of watching it was was difficult but in respect it was just uh yeah gotta gotta admire it for how hard it goes I guess
1: it's so scrappy, like yeah. down to stuff like Jonathan Cherry genuinely injured his hand on set. And so they had to write in a bit for the character injuring his hand so that they could explain away the bandage. Um, there's a character who's supposed to die. Uh, Liberty, the girl who's wearing like the Stars and Stripes catsuit. She's supposed to die in the scene where she goes in into the sea, I think. And then they like bring her back and keep her longer because... They just like to, like, it's a mess. It's <laughs> it's like they were literally, like, writing this film as they went along. Um, but I just, it's just got this, like, energy that I really enjoy. Um, I'm going to let you explain Doom, because I'm not sure I entirely understand the plot of this film.
0: Okay, so Doom 2005. It's uh, directed by Andrei Bar- uh, Barkovjak. Sorry if I've completely oh. massacred his name. I
1: was going to say, sorry, I also didn't realise I was setting you up for that one.
0: <laughs> Andrei Bartkoviak, I think. Yeah, starring Carl Urban, Rosamund Pike, Richard Brake, Dexter Fletcher and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And it's written by David Callaghan and Wesley Strick. Yeah, so Doom starts on a facility on Mars. So I'm already in.
1: It's not underground, though. Or maybe it is. I don't know.
0: It's got sewers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something's some escaped. Some kind of monster has broken out of whatever science project is happening. Uh, so a group of badass Marines get their leave cancelled to go and sort it out. And so they have to teleport through a bubble, some kind of bubble thing called the Ark, to the base on Mars where they realise that people are mutating into horrible rage-driven creatures and killing everyone. Or are they killing everyone? Yeah, and it's extremely naughty video game movie, I think. Yes. Yeah, I first saw this in... Washington in America on my friend's birthday that I was doing a trip across America on Greyhound buses with. Oh, wow. My best buddy. And yeah, we had a great time. And fun story, he now works for, he's a programmer for the video game company that makes the Doom games.
1: That's so cool. Wow,
0: he loved Doom before this movie. To be clear, like we went to see this movie because he loves Doom.
1: Oh no, I I want to believe it's the other way around.
0: You <laughs> Doom guys saw this movie, him. and he
1: was like, "That's what I'm gonna do with my I life." I love
0: Doom. <laughs> yeah, I I think I, I had a lot of fun with it at the time, and I've consistently had fun with it. Uh, I've seen it quite a few times since then, often with uh, my, my friend Richard and my friend Ben watching watching Doom together. Yeah. So what was your first experience of watching Doom?
1: I. I know I reviewed this for somewhere, so I probably saw it, uh, did I get, I can't have gone to a press screening for this, that wouldn't have made any sense, um, I know I saw it on a big screen, and I know I thought it was better than I expected at the time, and I quite enjoyed it, and then I was really dreading coming back to it, but again, like, I I don't hate this one, no, how could you,
0: how could you hate Doom?
1: (laughs) The, the only thing that I had retained, I don't think I've watched it, don't think I've watched it since release, but I think the main thing I'd retained was just that Semper motherfucker line. Oh, that
0: is wonderful. How can
1: you forget? <laughs> that was a very bad impression, but you know. The,
0: the Rocks line deliveries in this, uh, like all delivered like in the, in the same kind of like, n- kind of catchphrase way. Well, like not catchphrase, mm. but like everything's like a big statement. Um, but yeah, my favourite one of those is Dr. Carmack's condition is irreversible because Dr. Carmack is dead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, this film is so silly though. Like I just I really struggle to like coherently sum up that plot. Like there's so there's Carl Urban who has the saddest face. He can kind of go on a list with like Carl Golner as like sad cherub faces it's um, Reaper, isn't he? He's like yeah, yeah, he's like cool, cool sign. John
0: thing. Reaper Grim, which annoys me because it doesn't <laughs> quite work. It should be John Grimm Re- John like Grim Reaper. That would make so much yeah. more
1: sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have made more sense. Um, and he. Uh, I don't know why he's so sad, but he's such a sad face. And then he goes to Mars and his sister is there, mm-hmm. who's Rosamund Pike, who looks similarly haunted. And she tells him that they found, like, a skeleton or something. or There's some, like, D- DNA, but it's, like, it's got too many chromosomes mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. something. Yep, yep, and yep. then it turns out that people are getting infected by something, but only, like, if they're evil, I I, mm, I I don't know. I'm not sure if I understood the philosophy of this film.
0: Yeah. So it's if if you're not a good person, you're gonna turn into a rampaging like Hulk monster with loads of eyes that wants to eat you. And if you're a nice person, you're gonna like be souped up. You're gonna be um, yeah like a Martian Superman type thing. Uh... Yeah. <laughs>
1: That's how that's how human nature works. Yeah. Um. I love like there is something that you wrote in the notes for this that I just love so much. i mean, like immediately wanted to quote. You just written, Is evil science an acceptable replacement for actual hell? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm gonna need you to expand on that.
0: <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> in the in the Doom games, Doom, I, I love I love the Doom games and have played them. But story's not a major part of it. Basically yeah like a portal to hell has been opened by evil by scientists i think some of whom are evil and basically turns everyone on the base into monsters and you gotta kill them uh and then you do go to hell Uh, yeah i mean most most of them you go to hell uh and battle demons there and this movie they made the choice to i guess (laughs) for budgetary reasons have it not be actual hell but uh kind of Yeah, be evil science where they're like turning people into monsters. They're like experimenting with these chromosomes on prisoners and stuff. And I was just like, you know, how how do we feel about... If you had the choice between a film where evil scientists were fucking around and, yeah, doing evil science business, turning people into essentially demons or a portal to hell opening up and people turning into demons because of hell and evil, (laughs) what would you go for?
1: It's hard to like convince me that you can scientifically explain evil because evil is a fundamentally like religious concept yes however i do think that going to hell and fighting demons like it's like when we're talking about the shark movies about how you shouldn't like go in the sea and then fight the the shark the shark isn't the baddie because that's their that's their habitat Mm. like you can just go to hell. And, like, that's where they live. That's where the demon <laughs> You go into the demon's house to fight the demons. Yeah. I don't, I've never played <laughs> the games, by the way, so I'm just completely, like, imagining a completely different thing than it. Obviously.
0: There's kind of an element of that, actually. Yeah, they do. always look a bit. <laughs> sometimes they do look surprised to see you, like what the fuck. Just a
1: bit put out. Like I'm just chilling in my demon house. Yeah, like, being a demon. Like what are you doing?
0: I think it also does tap into my experience of playing games like Dead Space, and you know, like, we're well, the ones where, like you got to go back, or like you're the only one who can go and sort all these all this out by doing the terrifying thing. Like, I, like mm. I'm just like, why does it have to be me though? Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, can't someone else do it? Yeah. <laughs> I do feel really bad for them at the beginning when they're all like sitting around. All the Marines are sitting around chatting about what they're going to do uh, on their vacation, and then they're just like, you know, "Leave's canceled. Mm. And you're like, "No, they're entitled to that leave." Yeah, they sh- they're just, they're just, they're just you give sorry, them their paid in leave. Violation of their employment contract. Absolutely. And Richard Brake is being delightfully awful throughout this entire film. I think. Yeah. It's just so horrible.
0: I think is this is it this. I think this was the first time I saw Richard Brake. Doing that in in a movie.
1: I mean, he just seems like a guy who's good at being a creep.
0: Yeah. Also, his delivery of, it came from somewhere, lady, <laughs> is uh, just five stars. Perfect.
1: Five stars. Five stars for this whole film. <laughs> like, Carl Urban just being sad and The Rock being evil and having quite a lot of fun with it.
0: Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. He is fun in this movie.
1: And the first person shoot a bit, like, I was prepared to think that it was corny, but it still kind of popped me. I was still like, yeah, fun.
0: Yeah, yeah, same. Every time I watch him, I'm like, oh, it's just going to look just a bit cheap and shit now, but actually it is really good. That's great fun.
1: I think, like, as a whole, this film does kind of slightly suffer from the, like, bluey, grey, sludgy Mm -hmm. aesthetic that every especially sci-fi film had at the time which is sort of a shame because they're on mars you could have gone more red with it but you know it is what it is
0: yeah like the whole like every time they go in the sewers you just can't see anything yeah and there's a lot of kind of like pits and stuff that just it it feels like a waste of it's actually a pretty cool set and yeah yay sets (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it, it does feel like they kind of Wasted a lot with the blueness, and I think that's partly why it feels really long in the middle as well, when they're just sort of wandering around, and the monsters are popping up every now and again. Mm. Just because it does all start to look the same.
1: Yeah, don't do that. I'm I'm really scared that like we are at a moment in time that like if this podcast continues for a few more years, at the moment we are nostalgic for like sets (laughs) and lighting and like stuff like that like oh remember when movies had real budgets and Mm. like in a few years we're going to be like remember when they had extras and not just like ai and remember when they hired writers and not just AI? Yeah,
0: totally. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
1: no. Yeah, thinking that... It's a like, scary time.
0: Yeah, with all of these films I and mean, with the possible, I mean, even now the Dead, to be fair, but, like, it is just, like, I really like that, yeah, these are expensive movies that I think Doom especially is sort of like, we, we're gone for the R rating. Hell, yeah. But, yeah, like, it has different locations and it's not, like, a house or a car park in Atlanta like, or a green screen. It's, um yeah, it does feel like yeah, this wouldn't get made the way it got made. No, unless it was like Do you know that is the thing about Netflix. *House of the Dead*
1: though. It's like because they don't have the money, like everything is very real. Like when mm. so when you're seeing a house blow up, like they blew that up. <laughs> it, it is just looks like a shed being blown up, but that's because it is a shed being blown up and not CGI of a house being blown. I don't know. There's something <laughs> sort of charming about how. Like, hands-on, almost like Blue Peter is <laughs> <laughs> You're going to make this thing. Yeah. That's true. No, I think overall, there's, these films are not as... I don't know. I'm, am I just getting old and sentimental? Is that what's happening now? Like, the nostalgia is kicking in. Um, I guess it's sort of been baked into this podcast from the start, but, like, <laughs> but I'm like is it getting worse?
0: I think I've, I've always enjoyed Doom because I've, I've always felt like there's never enough, like, Sci fi horror set, kind of somewhere ridiculous that mm. is expensive, and there's fewer and fewer of them. So, I think I'm only going to get more like fond of this. I think the one I was thinking about is not, I don't think it's, it's not naughty, so we're not going to cover it, but uh, Pandorum was it naughty? Yeah. actually.
1: It might be. I remember quite liking that. But then it does feel like it needs to go in a pack with Event Horizon, which again is like sort of religious themes and hell and spaceships. And,
0: yeah, exactly. You know, all that yeah. Kind of stuff. Also mm. produced by Paul W. S. Anderson.
1: I just, there's just something so like, oh, I don't know, toxic masculine about that film. <laughs> toxic masculinity. a film. Probably intentionally. Anyway, speaking of uh <laughs> strange gender issues silent hill silent hill is so interesting because i i remember seeing it and just like hating it and so i was really dreading going back but i think it's a lot more interesting than i remembered so silent hill 2006 written by roger Avery, directed by christoph Gans, who i cannot stop confusing in my head with um xavier gens there's a one letter difference and then a whole different first name and i still my brain just wants them to be the same man <laughs> Um, <laughs> with a cast including uh, Rada Mitchell, Sean Bean, uh, Deborah Cara Unger, Kim Coates, Alice Creed, Laurie Holden, and Jodelle Ferland. Finally, because we can't have a whole podcast with this many scary little girls in it, and they're not really <laughs> the scary little girl of the two thousands. That's right. Um, yeah, I mean, this is another one where I think maybe plot was not the priority, but so. <laughs> Rada Mitchell and Sean Bean. Uh, what I can't remember what Sean Bean's character name is. Uh, his character name is Sean Bean. Yeah. Um, Sean Bean and the Rose. <laughs> they have adopted a child, and she. They spend a really long time at the beginning of the film talking about, oh, she's getting worse. She's getting worse. Uh, we've got to do something to help her. And it, like the thing that turns out is getting worse is like she's having nightmares. Which when we find out that she's like they adopted this child under really. Sort of I don't know, like she's from a very traumatic background you're mm. like, well, yeah, that seems normal to me, um but yes, so she rose over hears her daughter saying silent hill in her sleep and thinks, hey, what I'm gonna do with this traumatized little girl is take her back to the site of her trauma and that will definitely help um Silent hill <laughs> turns out to be. A ghost town, the road doesn't go there anymore. Everyone's like, don't fucking go up there. It's super dangerous because there's an underground fire that's been raging for years and the whole town's full of smoke and like, you'll probably fall in a hole. Also, there's loads of monsters and a witch burning cult, but she goes there anyway. And then Sean Bean tries to follow them and comes up with a nice police officer and tries to find them, but he can't because he's in a different plane of reality slash Potentially they filmed those scenes later. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, it's it's very, like, impressionistic in a way. It's very, like, just look at the nice smoke and the creepy monsters and just don't, especially don't worry about the timeline. Do not think about the timeline of any of the events in this film. I mean, I'm looking at your face like Johnny's about to tell me this is his favourite film of all time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do really like Silent Hill. I mean, the script is awful. Um, but yeah, it, like the impressionistic thing is just thinking about that. Like, it's it's such a beautiful film. Like, it's so incredibly made. The like production design, the the, the sets, and, um the monsters, yeah, the atmosphere and the music's. I mean, the music straight from the video game and it's incredible. But yeah, like I think it's it's atmosphere and I think that's probably what none of the other movies we talk about have. So I can kind of forgive it for the Sean Bean segments. <laughs>
1: Um, <laughs> the Sean Bean segments just made no
0: sense. It's just Sean Bean shouting um, "Rose!" Yeah, over and over again, and Kim Coates I'm trying to steer him away. But yeah, I think it's like it. I do think it's genuinely creepy. I think it's and it's scary in a way that mm. the other movies aren't. But it's it's scary if you removed all of the dialogue and most of Sean Bean. I think it would work just as well. You don't need any of the dialogue in the film at all I to tell think the story. In my-
1: actually be better if you did that just because anytime they explain what's going on it's, it's like you kind of have to you kind of go wait what that mm. how does that work um cuz like there's a the whole thing about how the fire that's burning underground was started by this witch burning cult trying to burn this girl who may or may not be the same girl or like is the either the literal mother or like the mm. like, like Uh, metaphorical like maybe she's not a child maybe she's a manifestation of something of the girl that they've adopted and it's the same actress and like i don't know there's just a lot of stuff that's trying to be very creepy and be a big reveal like oh it's all connected Mm. um but in a way that like doesn't feel like it makes any sense
0: yes agreed i I
1: swear that the, the the time when they said that this fire was started like just doesn't add up to how this girl could be this age, unless she's magic, which I guess she is. But.
0: I think, yeah, and like you just kind of have to assume that everyone's in purgatory, is on there, or hell, yeah, kind of waiting to be taken to hell, or whatever. Yeah, the whole thing kind of feels like it gets away with, or is trying to get away with, like, being a metaphor, mm. or something like that, you know, where she's like, oh, so little Joe Delferland, whose rose is like the good bits that have come out of the jodell ferland who was burned by alice creek and but then it's sort of like i don't know
1: <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> so you can't do it either. it doesn't yeah but, it doesn't
0: make any sense
1: because there's a bit where she, the burned girl is in the hospital and then like she grows up i think yes. and then attacks a nurse
0: mm-hmm. and she's still there and so it yet, doesn't how, really make sense
1: it doesn't really well but like you say, but it's all supposed to be purgatory. In which case, all that actually happens in this film is that Rada Mitchell and Sean Bean adopt a traumatised child, and in an extremely misguided attempt to be good parents, <laughs> drive her off a cliff and kill her.
0: I mean, that's quite a Silent Hill <laughs> way to go. <laughs> but
1: like that's that could be like that's the only thing that like could really be happening in this film, I think. Because yeah, because they when they wake up in Silent Hill, they've had a car accident, haven't they? Because the police officer saw rada mitchell acting Mm -hmm. like a weirdo in like a gas station or something or a a motel or a diner or something that they stop at on the way and follows her so i guess they have a car accident and die i don't know
0: yeah i think so and the the police officer comes off a bike as well it's funny because i think the the only game i've played is silent hill 2 and it is really good and it's terrifying and it's all fog and seaside town and yeah, incredibly creepy and awesome. But it, yeah, all the games I think are basically about guilt and people looking for answers, and then the other people trapped there are like lost souls who've generally done something completely awful. Right. Yeah, it's all it's it's very sort of Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> in a in a sort of Japanese way. So that kind of I think that is translated really well in the idea that these are the people who are left here are awful, and the mm. people who like Kim Coates and like the nice orphanage people and the cops are like are the ones who try to help and got out the only way to watch this film and enjoy it really is to not pay attention to what anyone's saying (laughs) and that's crazy like that's
1: put it on in the background while playing some goth music yeah well it's because of all the like weird interference i think that was happening so like in the game the protagonist is a man but like someone possibly christoph gans was like Oh, it, he feels more like a woman to me. It's very feminine concerns, so I'm going to make the main character a woman. And then, so then you had a female police officer, a woman, her child, and the matriarch of this witch burning cult. And then the studios were like, "Hold up, that's too many women. You've got to put some <laughs> men in this shit." And then they put, and then they put Sean Bean in, which just made everything way worse. <laughs> Sean Bean and Kim Coates in fairness but I I blame Sean Bean um
0: yeah you can't blame Kim Coates also star of Goon
1: what the hell what is this movie this like uh I need to watch it I need to watch it I think it's just I think it's the fact that I think it's a sports movie that's putting me off
0: (laughs) sorry I'll stop interjecting with Goon comments it's just a it's a Goon cast member heavy episode
1: it really is I can't criticize you for that like I'm the person that will watch shit because House of the Dead cast members are in it um yeah uh yeah i wish that this film was better basically like there are bits in it that i really like like i think there's a scene where like our heroes are outside the church and all the cult people are like running into the church because the darkness is coming and mm. it's like you know that you're between a trap and a trap basically yeah <laughs> like, what, which way are you gonna go um on the other hand there are scenes like that one where Rose is jumping across a load of like breaking beams to get to the other side of a thing to talk to mm-hmm. a ghost and you're like well that's that's a video game thing like yes that's not the normal <laughs> thing to do and 100 percent right and it's like why have you put this in though just don't you don't need to do that just because like games have to create ridiculous uh, obstacles for the player to navigate because that's how you make a game fun but it's not necessarily fun to watch an actor do it when you know they have to for the plot to continue. Like, there's no chance that she was going to fall through that hole because, like, that's not how films work.
0: Mm. But it's, yeah, and it, and it is kind of a film that seems like it works in segments. I guess that's yeah. partly because Sean Bean keeps popping up. But <laughs> yeah, like things like just that first, um, I can't. It's like some kind of ba- like kind of downstairs room, isn't it? I think where she just like the first bit where she's got the lighter and she's like seeing that there's someone with those. Uh, like the, the gas mask helmet kind of basically stuck on the wall and there's like little creepy crawlies start coming out and they've got like the kids' faces and stuff. It's just things like that are just like genuinely nightmarish and the uh, the creepy janitor in the school toilet and stuff like that. Some of these images are just so really good, like <laughs> excellently awful. But yeah, it just it, I agree. Like I, I do like it a lot, but I think that's, I like it in spite of a lot of it as well. And, like, the whenever I re-watch it, like, it is, like, quite frustrating as much as I like a lot of it. Like, you're kind of constantly getting bumped out of, oh, that's really cool. Like, God, oh, that's scary. Oh, this music's awesome. Oh, that's quite shit.
1: <laughs> but I think those kind of movies that are that kind of slightly bit frustrating and you want to fix them are the ones that you end up watching over and over again because you kind of can't scratch the itch of like yeah totally good i remember the good bits but then i want i want to fix that button
0: yeah absolutely (laughs) oh man yeah and then silent hill (laughs) revelation 3d is not very good but christoph Gans is is making a a new silent hill so
1: oh is it a sequel?
0: Uh, he's doing a direct or like a more direct adaptation of Silent Hill 2, which I think is kind of what he wants to do with this one. Uh, so it's about, it's going to be about a man going looking for his wife in, in Silent Hill. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's like he's making it with Konami, the studio, so the video game studio. So Hopefully it'll be good. I've got like a lot of time for Christoph Gans based on this and Brother of the Wolf. Because he just needs a good, he needs someone to hand him a good script. I feel like, and then it'll all be fine. He makes beautiful movies. He just needs like, someone to write him a good one.
1: Yeah, that would help. I I think if I know that Silent Hill is Purgatory, I wonder how invested I could be in a story about people going there.
0: I don't. know. It's tricky, I think, because like it's it's sort of like half Purgatory and half not. I think because you can lead <laughs> like depend you. The, I remember the ending of Silent Hill 2 is based on your actions in the game. Right, okay. So I think you can leave Silent Hill being like, this was a sad and incredibly grueling journey, uh, emotionally as well as like physically. And then there's ones where you die, there's ones where you've been dead a while, I think. And there's also ones where a dog was doing it the whole time. And there's one where <laughs> aliens come and take over. That's sort of joke ending, so you have to do like a cheat code. Wow. But there's an ending where you sort of enter a lab and there's like a little dog at the controls.
1: That's <laughs> like that, you, okay. you were behind it. Now I'm sold on it. I really <laughs> hope that's the ending that they put in the film. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. I'd love that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess maybe it's just a metaphor for, oh God. The words that were about to come out of my mouth were maybe, to, maybe it's a metaphor for grief. And (laughs) our favourite kind of horror film (laughs) where grief is the real monster. It's a metaphor. Fucking hell. I hate metaphors. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm just going to refuse. I just actually, from this point on, decided I'm just not going to think about anything I watch anymore. I only accept um, storytelling on the most basic surface level. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That seems like a good way to live. (laughs) No, it doesn't at all. Oh, God. I think maybe these i mean like these films must play completely differently if you are familiar with the computer games it's like that thing where if you've read the book and you're watching a film it's hard to not see the parts that are missed out and changed and just see a film on its own merits and i think all of these films to a greater or lesser degree do try to cater to to people who love the games mm. or they want to just be like here here's a little treat for you like you know this character you know this uh, monster you know you know <laughs> you've you've seen this scene du- cut directly from the game and inserted into the film. <laughs> the thing that the right the thing with that is that House of the Dead is a is an arcade game that has no real like like you're saying about um, Silent Hill having different endings. Like house of the Dead is literally like you just have a gun and you shoot things. Yeah. <laughs> but there's there's not there's not any there's that, so that interminable scene outside the house is probably the most game accurate part of it. <laughs>
0: it's true. Because yeah. it's
1: just you standing still and the game world moving around you so you can shoot things.
0: You're not holding, like, a blue plastic shotgun thing.
1: A <laughs> <laughs> shake to reload. Oh, yeah. I do love that. <laughs> I love House of the Dead 3, the arcade uh, okay game. I would always seek it out in, like, the Trocadero when it used to have an arcade in it. In <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> the past. Final, final thoughts on video game movies. I mean, this isn't... The most compelling set of films we've talked about. They were fine. Yeah, I think...
0: It's like Silent Hill and Resident Evil are the two that I'd go, like... You, people say you can't make a video game movie. And I think those are, like, probably the best arguments to say... Actually, you can make, like, a a, a film that at least I like. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, you can make Uh, a (laughs) film yeah
0: and like doom as well i think i don't know i think i think the problem is like you're never gonna be able to make make a i don't really say this and then like i don't know someone (laughs) some genius will figure out a way to do it like one of the upcoming movies will be like the perfect distillation of game into movie but i don't know i feel like silent hill is probably the best version of that but yeah I, i just don't think you can do I think it's really difficult to make a movie that's exactly like the experience that you have of playing a game that mm-hmm. has a story of the game because the story of the game sort of parceled out over, you know, hours and hours. Yeah. While you navigate endless kind of little obstacles and monsters. Like, the one I remember really being disappointed by, weirdly, is not horror, but Max Payne was just a real piece of shit and I really enjoyed playing the games and they're so cinematic. I was just like, how did you fuck this up so badly? But yeah, I, I think... It seemed like, especially in the noughties, people like, writing dialogue to what they thought video game dialogue was like, maybe. Mm, yeah.
1: Like, none of these
0: films have great dialogue, with the exception of some of the lines in Doom that we mentioned.
1: <laughs> Obviously, classics. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think just the experience of playing a game and the experience of watching a movie just fundamentally different experiences, because in the game, mm. like, you are the protagonist and you are going on the adventure, and, like, you can affect what happens, whether that's your character dies trying to achieve yeah. something um or you you know getting a different ending or whatever but if you're watching a movie like unless you're watching uh uh final destination three on the on the dvd where you can change things yeah yeah <laughs> then um then you can't then the movie's just going to be the movie so i don't know i don't know i don't know whether i think to some extent like are these are these films just content are they literally just let's like you said at the beginning, you know, let's get some more money out of these people because it's a recognised brand. And that's another thing that feels very depressing about the current film landscape. Mm.
0: I guess you could say like Doom is probably the like a content-y type movie where like it hits a lot of the notes that fans want. It's got references to the game designers in it. But yeah, I don't know. And, and Resident Evil, I guess, to some extent, where it feels like, you know, when the, you want to give the fans what they want. But then I guess like the story is really different. I don't know. Yeah, all all of them have that like that thing where you, like it's really trying to cater to a fan base, aren't they? Mm. You've got you've got to like hit expectations, but you've all, like there's a huge audience out there who will like kill us if we don't get this right.
1: Um, <laughs> and even more so now. I was going to say, I feel like the the landscape of or even, like, the landscape, just the perception of what it means to be a video game fan and, 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 and perception of what a video game even is mm. has changed so radically in the last, like, 20 years. Yeah,
0: yeah, like, everyone's, I think, yeah, it, it feels like a lot, a much more accepting place to be, a, like, a, a shit gamer like me. People <laughs> are actually like, oh, yeah, you can play, like, Firewatch and you'll have fun. And I was like, I did have fun with Firewatch, thank you. Mm. Yeah, and if it feels like these movies can disappear and adaptations can disappear more quickly, like... Mm. if like a halo movie had been made when i was at uni it feels like message boards would never have shut up about it Mm. but that tv series came out and i don't think i know anyone who watched it or has an opinion (laughs) about halo
1: wow this feel this is this is heading into a very depressing place uh what's the cheerful thing what we do next J J horror
0: remakes yeah we're gonna see some people in jumpers running around
1: i said that with so much enthusiasm in my voice, like J-horror remakes, and then I was like, wait.
0: <laughs> I like some of these movies. I'm excited.
1: Okay. Okay. Not all of them. <laughs> I'm not sh- I like, having, like the idea of having to sit through the grudge remake again.
0: Oh, uh, see. Okay, well, yeah, we- we'll talk about it.
1: <laughs> we will. We'll talk about it next time. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at ChillennialHpod, although you would probably get more out of following us (laughs) individually because we actually remember to tweet from our accounts. Uh, I am at Sarah Dobbs.
0: And I'm at Jonathan Hatful.
1: And uh, we will see you next time.
0: Bye.